And I want to talk to you, get your outlines out, get your uh, app out and join me today. I want to talk to you about making good decisions. There was a period in my life when because of my faith, because of misunderstanding of my faith, making decisions was very difficult for me. There was a period in my life when I just was paralyzed by the sense of failing God, disappointing God, maybe leading people in the wrong direction, maybe doing the wrong thing, the long-term consequence, all of that weighed so heavily upon me that I couldn't make, I got frozen in making decisions. Making decisions became something that was a part of my life and my DNA to learn how to make good decisions. And I'm so thankful that there were godly people that came alongside of me that I could talk to about my faith and about how that impacted making decisions, not only for myself, my wife, our marriage, uh, the church that I was responsible for, for the people that I impacted, but then later on as I became a, a father for how those decisions impacted my children. There are, there are certain decisions that we make, we just kind of make them every day. If I go to a restaurant and I am asked, do you want soup or salad? If I'm at Baldo's, I immediately say soup, chicken noodle soup, because they've got just the best chicken noodle soup around here. If I'm at uh, the uh, Coney Island there next to CVS, whatever that's called, and they want to know if I want salad or coleslaw, I say, I want coleslaw. Nick makes wonderful coleslaw. Those are snap decisions that we can make. They're just, we don't have to think about them. For me, life is pretty easy. My wife gets a little frustrated with this sometime. Uh, literally, I own black socks, blue socks, brown socks, and running socks. I own khaki pants, blue jeans, black pants, gray pants, and blue pants. I just don't like to have to make decisions about what I wear in the morning. And it's fine. I just did a wedding, and I called my wife, and I said, the men here look like the paint store where we go to buy paint, all the colors of the pants and the shirts and the coats. And I said, you know, they're all so vogue, and I'm so vague standing up here in front of everybody. But for me, it simplifies my life. I just don't like to get complicated with things like that. What I've learned in life, you're going to make about 15 decisions. Listen, this is important. You're going to make about 15 decisions that are life-altering. You're going to make about 15 decisions in your life, whether you live for 30 years or whether you live for 100 years. You're going to make about 15 decisions that are going to define your life and fortunately or unfortunately, it will define the lives of people around you. I want you to stand with me this morning because what brought me confidence was this psalm, Psalm 23. I want us to read it thoughtfully this morning. So I'm going to stop occasionally through this psalm, and I'm just going to bring out some things that I think that you really need to think about because if we read this psalm too quick, if we read it too fast, we miss what David is wanting us to get because David had a lot of decisions to make. David's decisions affected and impacted a lot of people. Some of his decisions were poor, and it affected and impacted a lot of people. Some of David's decisions were outstanding, and it, infect, it affected and impacted a lot of people. But in the end of his life, after having made all of those decisions, God could say of David what he can say of you and me because we're going to make good decisions, we're going to make bad decisions, but we can make our decisions confidently 
if we will follow these principles today because at the end of his life, what God would say of David, that David was a friend of God and that David was a man whose heart was fully dedicated to him. So let's read this and then we're going to pray. The Lord is my shepherd. Would you say that with me? The Lord is my shepherd. That means there's forgiveness. That means there's peace. That means there's inner healing. That means there's protection and there's shelter. As a shepherd, David understood this and he deliberately chose this as an imagery for us to think about the Lord. He goes on to say that I have all that I need. Say that with me. I have all that I need. Now that's true whether you're poor or whether you're rich. And by the way, according to a study that I read just this week, if you make $35,000, if your family makes $35,000 a year, you're in the top 95% of the world's population. So sometimes in America where we get busy comparing ourselves to other people, you're in the top 35% of the world's population, 35,000 a year. I have all that I need, not only now and forever, but I have all that I need. And friends, that's called grace. When God gives me what I don't deserve. So let's say it together. I have all that I need. I don't deserve anything that God has given me. And I don't say that piously. I say that sincerely. I have all that I need. That's grace. He guides me along right, path. he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Read that with me. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Now, God's paths will always be paths of righteousness. They will be just. They will be fair. God's paths will always be paths of integrity and honesty. And God's paths will always be true to his character, to who God is. So let's say that again. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name that the decisions you and I are going to make in life, they're going to honor God. Don't you want that this morning? Don't you want to honor Him? I mean, that's what communion and our singing and worship was all about today. And then even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. What's David saying? Danger is always present. Danger is always... As a shepherd... He knew that there was a lion close by. As a shepherd, he knew that there was a bear close by. And he says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, or the King James Version, the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Now, just answer this question to yourself. Are you afraid, or are you worried this morning? Let's read this sentence together. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me, and you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Oh, wow. Do you get that? God's protection is only there, but God's deliverance, and when he delivers us, now, when you are born again, when you get a new life from Christ, 
God lavishes his love upon you. God lavishes his provision upon you. God lavishes his grace and mercy upon you. God prepares a feast for you. If you were here Wednesday night as we're going through our study of the book of Zechariah, the book Jesus quoted most in the New Testament, as we're going through that, we notice God only called for one day of national fasting in Israel, but he called for seven great feasts. And so God prepares a feast for us, and look where he does it, in the presence of our enemies. David's reminding himself that, look at me, don't miss this. Every man, look at me right now, especially the men. Look at me, dad. Look at me, husband. Sir, look at me online. The enemy is always there. Even while you're feasting, you can't let your guard down. Are you listening to me? You're feasting, but you keep your eyes on the shepherd. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you that you are the good shepherd. And Lord, you don't lay it all out before us in one big panoramic map. But God, this walk of faith in you is a walk of daily making decisions Decisions that define us and decisions that will define others as well. Because none of us, Lord, make a decision without it impacting somebody else. So even as we listen together and as we worship together, our choice to be here or to be online, God, that decision is having an impact for your kingdom, for one another, as well as for ourselves and our families. So I ask you now to help us think this through prayerfully and carefully, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. And I hope you've got the app and you're following along with me. In Psalms 23, at the very end of the verse, then David says this, you honor me by anointing my head with oil, and my cup overflows with blessings. And surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And see, Pastor, why do you wait to read that verse last? Because I want you to know this. You can trust God and that God loves you. You can trust God and you can know that God loves you this morning. Sometimes it's difficult to make those decisions daily because we forget that we're not by ourselves. Sometimes those big decisions that come along in life like the kind of work that I'm going to do, or who I'm going to marry, or where I'm going to live, or, you know, how I'm going to invest my money, how I'm going to use my time. Those decisions can oftentimes freeze us if we're really wanting to live a godly life. And if we're not wanting to live a godly life, and we're not wanting to live for Jesus, we still find, as a lot of people do, we're frozen in our decision-making because we're caught between two different opinions and maybe even worrying what people think about us. In Psalms 143 and verse 10, David felt this where he says, teach me to do your will. For you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. And I think it's important you circle that in your outline or the app one that you circle that. David says, on a firm footing. David realizes he's got to make some decisions. He realizes he's got to make some daily decisions as a king, not just as a shepherd, but as a king, as a father, as a grandfather. 
And those decisions that he makes today are going to have effects that reach far into the future. The decisions that Becky and I made are already affecting our grandchildren, and those decisions will affect our great-grandchildren in time to come. The decisions that my grandfather made, who was born a hundred years before I was born, when my great-grandfather Daniel decided to move all the family out west, and you can find a lot of Clantons living in the west, but not very many in the east, all of that was defined by my grandfather's decision to stay behind and to run seven farms in Georgia while the rest of the family went west. His decision a hundred years later would affect me. His decision a hundred and thirty-five years later or thirty years later would affect my son, my firstborn son, and then the children we had after them. It affected the fact that I met Becky and married Becky. You see, the decisions that we make, they have consequence. And it's why it's important that we prayerfully and daily come to the Lord saying, God, Teach me and lead me forward on a firm footing. The Bible says in Psalms 25 and verse 12 that those who have reverence from the Lord will learn the path that they should follow. Circle that word learn in your outline. You see, to reverence the Lord or to fear the Lord implies how we live our lives. I pray about the decisions I make. I think about the decisions that I have to make. I don't think about the chicken soup that I'm going to order at Baldo's. I don't think about the coleslaw that I'm going to order at the Coney Island. I don't even think about the coffee I'm going to get. I know what flavor, or not flavor, but what country region of coffee I want when I come through and I say, hey, I want a dark roast Ethiopian coffee today. I'd also like it extra hot and really strong, I want a grande size. Okay, so I pull through, I get my coffee, I hit the road, and friends, life is amazing. If it really gets amazing, I just reach over and switch off my cell phone, and I turn up the tunes, and I drive, and you know, when's the last time you just sipped a cup of coffee without being in a meeting, without talking, without working? You just sipped and enjoyed the flavor of the coffee. I wasn't in the spirit, so let me get back into the word right now. We learn from him the path. The Bible is not a map. The Bible is, is not a map where you got from point here in, in Detroit, this is how you get to San Diego. But the Bible is a guideline for us. And God presents to us each and every day decisions that we have to make. So if I'm teachable, secondly, if I become teachable, then I will find clear direction for my life. Because God knows that I need direction. The life of faith is a life of following God daily. It's making those right choices, and it's having clear direction in life. As a young person, I had to go through a decision. I had a scholarship to the University of Georgia. It paid me not only all of my tuition, not only room and board, but it paid me to travel. It paid for my books, and it gave me a stipend to live upon. When I chose to go to Southeastern, I lost that scholarship. My family and I had a very difficult decision to make. There were lots of people telling me to go to Southeastern and to follow the call of God on my life. There were a lot of people that were telling me I was a fool to give up that scholarship and this is what it meant. And in the long run, as my family and I and my pastor prayed together, we sought the Lord and we felt like the best decision was for me to go to Southeastern. Years later, I don't regret it. Years later, I don't look back upon it. 
I read another survey this week because I wanted to know what this up-and-coming young adult generation was thinking about. And for those of you that find yourselves 35 years old and younger, my heart goes out to you because it appears from these several surveys I've read this week, you've lost your confidence. You've lost your, your ability to make good decisions. You're worried about your education. You're worried about trying to maintain a social media presence because somehow or another that social media is going to make you successful and give you a leg up, and so you're always trying to groom your social media presence. You're worried about spending your life with someone because your parents divorced and their marriage fell apart, and you know the pain of being raised in separate households and pulled apart, and so you find yourself struggling. You're worried about the economy and will there be anything for you when you get older? You are worried about so many things and I got down on my knees and I prayed for you and then I got out one day and I just began to pray hard for you that God would help you to know you can live a confident life, you can live a bold life, you can make decisions confidently because the Lord is your shepherd. Hallelujah. He is your shepherd. So these questions that confront you, they're not new questions. We've all had these questions. Sometimes Christians struggle with these questions. Should I tell my small group about the struggle I'm going through? Should I tell my small group about the temptation I'm facing? Should I tell my small group about the marriage problems or the financial problems? We, we worry, can I trust them? Because it all comes down. Our trust has been violated so many times, and maybe it will tarnish my image or something of that nature. We find ourselves sometimes in a team wondering, who should I work with? Who can be a partner with me on my job? Or if you're starting a business, getting the right people to work with you. I had a group of five pastors sit down with me this week, and they just asked me some questions about how do you decide who you can trust and who you can work with. And to everyone of them's amazement, I told them that throughout my ministry, I've only had one man who's never not been my friend to serve as a board member. All of my associates have been my friends. I have talked about the love that God has shown us through the body of Christ. I was able to share that with people. And the one man that stabbed me in the back and hurt me deeply later came to me and apologized, but the kind of people that I was serving with, they surrounded me and protected me during that time. I learned that God will manifest his care sometimes through people that you surround yourself with. God doesn't call any of us to be Lone Ranger Christians. We need each other in the body of Christ. We need each other. You're important to this body. You're important to this body if you're home watching online. You say, Pastor, did it burn you? Did it hurt you during those times? Yes. But what I learned was this from Psalms 25 and verse 9. And you can look in my old Bible and see where this is highlighted and circled. And there's some names beside it of people who walked alongside of me. He leads the humble in doing right and teaching them his way. Would you read that out loud with me this morning? He leads the humble in doing right and teaching them his way. You see, you can be confident. Look at me. Now, don't miss this. You can be confident, and you can make good decisions. And people can have confidence in you if you walk humbly before the Lord and with other people. The cool thing about David is the psalm writer is that David knew how to say to God, I'm sorry. 
And David knew how to say to people, I'm sorry. And David knew how to repent and turn away and do the right thing. Making confident decisions doesn't mean you're always going to be right. Sometimes you're going to be wrong. And everybody that's over 35 can say a big, sometimes you're just going to make the wrong decision. And that's okay. You learn from those wrong decisions. We looked at that last week. Psalms 25 and verse 12. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path that they should choose. Read this one out loud with me. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path that they should choose. Now, to fear doesn't mean that you're terrified that God is going to hurt you or God's going to betray you. To fear the Lord means you reverence the Lord. You obey the Lord. You choose to do His will. You choose to do what He wants. I heard a preacher preaching on Jonah, and I just burst out laughing. He said, let me show you the mercy of God. When Jonah made a bad decision, and he chose to go his way rather than God's way, God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now, sometimes you may choose to go the wrong way rather than the right way. He says, and that great fish swallowed up Jonah. Now, he said, I want to show you the mercy of God. When Jonah repented, there were two ways out of that whale, and the Lord chose for the whale to vomit him out rather than poop him out. <laughs> Isn't that great? I never thought about that before in my whole life. I never thought I sat there laughing in my car, sipping my Ethiopian black coffee, and I'm going, God, you are so good and you're so amazing. How many times, Lord, could I have gone the other way, but in mercy, I was vomited up rather than pooped out? Can I get a witness in here this morning? Can I get an amen online? Those of us that we've made some bad decisions. And God chooses in his mercy. Now, notice this. They fear the Lord. The Bible tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible tells us that if we'll acknowledge him in all of our ways, that he will guide our paths. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. The Bible also says the opposite of the fear of the Lord is pride. Where I think I don't need God, where I think I can do life without God. And the Bible says that pride goeth before a fall. Do you, remember, do you remember when Roy Horn of Sickfield and Roy, do you remember when he slipped on stage and his lion attacked him or his tiger attacked him, drug him off stage? I remember reading all about that story and I went back and looked that story up. Roy Horn had done this act thousands and thousands of times. This particular white tiger, he had done this act with hundreds of times. But somehow or another on stage, as I was listening to Siegfried talk about it, on a YouTube video, he said these words when they asked him what happened. Listen, they asked him what happened, and Siegfried said, Roy slipped. Say those words with me. Roy slipped. And as soon as he slipped, the instinct of that tiger was to pounce upon Roy and drag him off stage. Miraculously, they were able to save his life. He died during the COVID 
pandemic in May of 2020. When I thought about that, Roy slipped. Roy slipped. And the more I thought about that, this scripture became so powerful to me because the Bible tells us that the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And sometimes if we're not careful, it's possible to leave the table of the Lord feasting his presence, feeling good, and God has blessed us, and like God warned the children of Israel, we build houses, we plant vineyards, we prospered, and we begin to think to ourselves, my hands have done this, I have done this, and God says, beware lest you think you have done this. It is the Lord who has given you the strength. It is the Lord that has given you the abilities. It is the Lord who has went before you to drive out your enemies, lest ye fall. Brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. One of the key things about making a decision is to walk confidently, but walk humbly before the Lord. Can we give him a hand of praise this morning? So what do we do? Thirdly, I just say this, relax. And when those words were spoken to me, Dennis, just relax and follow Christ. Relax and follow Christ because God knows that you and I, we need a new life, we need a fresh start, we need a new start in life. As a young pastor, I had to learn what that meant. Braden, would you bring me that uh, shepherd staff there, if you would, son? By the way, today is Braden's birthday. He's 14 years old. Give him a big hand, would you? Thank you, sir. You can give him $14 after service today, too. That would be nice. So thanks, Braden. We love you, buddy. When David says relax, I had to just kind of think this through. How can I communicate what he's saying in Psalms 23 to us? This is a big staff. Bill Leach gave this to me a number of years ago, our district superintendent. But this staff was a sign of, of a shepherd's, how a shepherd leads. And when a sheep would fall or get off the path, the shepherd would take his staff and reach out and pull the sheep back off the path. If it was a lamb and it fallen over a cliff, he could reach down and he could pull the sheep back upon the cliff. The staff was a sign of protection. He would turn it around to fight the lion. He would turn it around to fight the bear. So on this end, it was to keep the sheep on the path. On this end, it was to fight the enemy. I almost feel like a ninja up here flipping this thing around. <laughs> so the shepherd's staff is what he has in mind because if sheep aren't relaxed, according to Philip Keller, who wrote the book, The Way of the Shepherd, a shepherd looks at Psalms 23. If sheep aren't relaxed, then they won't sleep. If sheep aren't relaxed, they won't drink. If sheep are relaxed, they get jittery and they get sick. And so they need the presence of the shepherd. They want the voice of the shepherd. They want the shepherd close by because sheep knows that there's always an enemy close by. And mama sheep, what do you call them, use? That sounds too Yankee, so I'm going to go with mama sheeps. Mama sheeps, they won't relax because their babies could get devoured or fall over a cliff. But if the shepherd is there and he's talking with them and they're bad and the shepherd is just singing to them and he's there, they relax, they graze, they get to water, they drink, they lie down for the night because the shepherd is there and they know if one gets off the path, he'll pull it back. If an enemy comes, he will attack. 
Brothers and sisters, it's high time that you and I stop thinking about God as some old man in the sky. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Jesus is the good shepherd this morning. Can we give him another hand of praise today? So let's look quickly at three verses of Scripture, and then I'm going to try to apply this for you today. Psalms chapter 9, verse 9, God's a safe house for the battered, a sanctuary during bad times. The moment you arrive, you relax. You never worry. You're, excuse me, you're never sorry that you knocked. So for those of you this morning that haven't given your lives to Jesus and you haven't come to know Christ yet, here's my counsel to you. Seriously, think about this. Right now, this morning, contemplate the fact that you're living outside of the protection of God by not surrendering your life to Him. To stand up and sing, God bless America, without serving God, doesn't do the country a lot of good. The country needs the church to be a church of prayer so we can sing, God bless America. And to stand up and say, the Lord's got my back when you haven't surrendered your life because all of these depend upon the fear of the Lord. If the sheep got away from the flock, the Bible records that sometimes the shepherd would put the 99 in the sheep pen, which was a cave. They would block the sheep pen, and the shepherd would go out to find that sheep and bring it back. Sometimes, and this is going to startle you, and I don't mean to startle you, but sometimes the shepherd, if he had a sheep that kept doing that, he would break the sheep's leg, carry the lamb or the sheep in his arms while the sheep healed, and when the sheep was put back on the ground, the sheep never ran away from the shepherd again. I don't blame him. (laughs) But he learned the shepherd's voice. He learned to submit. Sometimes some Christians, they go through some tough times because you're the one that's constantly been running away. And like Jonah, one day you make a decision and your bad decision could affect an entire city. And God said, there's no way I'm going to let that happen. So he sends a great storm. He sends a great fish. Jonah's inside. I've got a choice. I'm either going to get digested and pooped out by the fish and the world will eat you up and spit you out. Let me say that again. The world is not your friend. The devil is not your friend. It will eat you up and spit you out. Or you can repent and God in his mercy will put you back on the right track and an entire city called Nineveh is saved. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? (laughs) Hallelujah. You see, you're never sorry that you've knocked. You're never sorry that you've asked Jesus into your heart. And by the way, Jesus said, Only the Spirit can give new life. Only the Holy Spirit can give you a fresh start. Only the Holy Spirit can give you the life you're wanting. In Psalms 25, 14, the Lord is a friend to those who fear them, and he teaches them his covenant. So how do we do this? Number one, listen to God. And I'm not going to read all the scriptures. You can read these later because we're running out of time. Learn to listen to God. How do we listen to God? In his word. Listen to God in a message like this. Listen to God in the songs that we sang this morning. I didn't just come up here because I needed a little screen time. But we needed to worship him and think about praise the Father. Praise us. Some of you lifted your hands for the very first time in your life. 
And I've got the thought in my mind, you really enjoy just obeying God and lifting your hands to Him in worship. You don't have to, but the Bible says, I would that people everywhere would lift up their hands and worship Him. We sang songs this morning about His grace. We, God speaks to us when we take the communion. Now, you can let the communion just be something you do and not think about it, or you can join with Pastor Corey and you can say, Lord, search my heart. And as you hold that bread, you can go, oh, Jesus, you were wounded for me. You gave your life for me. You matter to God. You matter to God. When you write those notes, those of you that want to do this, you're saying to seven soldiers somewhere in the world, you matter to God. You matter to us. When you gave to mission, give to missions this morning, you're saying to lost people and missionaries around the world, you matter to God. You see, God speaks to us through friends, godly friends. Secondly, walk with passionate followers of Christ. I have no shame, and I don't hold my head in saying this, but people who say they're Christians and live like the devil, they have not been born again. Can I say that again? And I don't mean that judgmental. People who say they're Christians and live like the devil and make decisions that are contrary to God's word, they've not been born again. A passionate follower of Christ is someone that loves God, loves people, especially lost people. The Father sent me to seek and save the lost, Jesus said, and he said, so am I sending you. They manifest forgiveness and mercy and kindness and grace and love and patience and, patience and long-suffering. Walk with people like that. Live with people like that. Third, decide this morning you're going to make the right decision. You say, how do I know how to make the right decision? Listen to this, Philippians 1.12. Everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Paul went through some terrible things there. He was thrown in jail. He was abused. He and his friend Silas, if you're my friend and you walk with me, you'll enjoy what I enjoy, but you'll suffer what I suffer. That's why we walk with passionate followers of Christ. And as I follow his word, I can make the right decision. Malcolm Gladwell calls my decision to get a cup of coffee or to get a bowl of chicken soup at Baldo's or to get coleslaw at Nick's restaurant, he calls those snap decisions. You don't need to think about them. But the other decisions you base upon the lordship of God in your life. What does God's word have to say? And if you don't know, that's why you have the church, that's why you have the Bible, that's why you have a small group, so that you have people to walk with and say, help me make the right decision. Would you stand with me this morning? Ushers, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to receive our offering today. I want to ask everyone in here to bow their head. and God's presence. Those of you watching online, I'm going to ask you, if you would, just to pray with me if you're a Christian. Pray right now for those that are listening to the word of the Lord. 
In John chapter 10 and verse 3, just listen. Jesus says, I call my own sheep by my name. They lead, he leads them, and they follow him because they're familiar with his voice. I believe right now some of you, you need to make a decision to commit your life to Christ. You say, how do I know it's the right decision? Let me ask you this. How's the one you're making right now working out for you? Why did you choose to listen to this 30-minute message? How's what you're doing right now working? And is something in your spirit really ringing true right now? You know, you know I need to do this. And maybe the enemy is making you think about a Christian that failed. Maybe the enemy is making you think about the cost. Just dismiss those thoughts for a moment and think one thing only. If Jesus loved me enough to die at Calvary, doesn't that deserve my consideration right now to decide to follow Christ or not follow Christ? And I believe if you make the same decision, you'll surrender your life to him. And this is how you do it. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for making the decision to come and die for my sins, to pay a price that I could never pay, to give me a fresh start in life, to make me friends with God, to give me peace of heart and mind, and to come and live in my heart. And as much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. And while every head is bowed, if in this room you prayed that prayer with me just now, would you just lift up your hand? No one's looking around but me and say, Pastor, God bless you. Someone else, God bless you. Someone else. Say, Pastor, I'm praying with you this morning. God bless you. I love you. Believe it or not, I prayed for you this week. Anyone else say, Pastor, I'm praying with you this morning. If you prayed that prayer online, would you send me a message at pastor at woodland.church? I'd love to know that. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for those who prayed with us this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Now, I got ushers come on down front. I want to say something. You can be seated. I want you to know right now, if this is your first time at Woodland, I don't want you to give. I'm just glad you're here. If, you're, if you just gave your heart to Christ, I'm not after your money. I want you to know, I just want you to know Jesus Christ. This offering is for those of us that we're part of Woodland. We love to give. If you want to give, feel free to join with us in giving. But would you join me, church? And let's lift our gifts up to the Lord like we always do. And let's ask God to bless our homes and bless our finances this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, you have said that you would bless us in the city and in the field. You would bless our crops and our homes. You would bless our children and our grandchildren. You would bless, oh Lord, everything we put our hands to. So as we bring our tithes and offerings to you today, we ask you to receive them with thanksgiving. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you as you give this morning.
as you leave today, you'll take a moment to stop by the flower table on the way out. We have some beautiful hanging baskets for you. You can uh, pick those up for $15 and help our women's ministry. And grab a gift of flower for mom for Mother's Day. Have a great week. We love you guys. I see you waving at me. <laughs> we love you guys. We pray you have a great week. And be sure and stop by and grab some flowers on your way out. God bless you.